All right, guys, welcome back to the Whiskey Shaman podcast. Um, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a uh, precursor to what's going to happen today. Uh, today, we're going to get a little nerdy. Um, and if you guys aren't into that, cool. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of other ones that, that probably won't be as nerdy. Uh, but today, we are going to talk about what is whiskey. I know it sounds kind of strange, but what is whiskey and we're going to go to an, into a couple of the details and stuff like that about it. I'm not going to go super deep into it because I don't want, uh, you know, this to be like a three hour freaking podcast. So, um, that being said, let's get started. Um, so whiskey in itself is a distilled spirit made from grain. Okay, so the type of grain denotes the type of whiskey. So, oh gosh, man. Uh, okay, so like let's say you were making a bourbon, American bourbon whiskey, right? That whiskey has certain guidelines that it has to follow. Uh, the main guideline, it has to be 100% made from grain. Grain, water, yeast, right? That's a staple in anything that has the label whiskey on it. There are some freaking exceptions, like always, but it basically, that's kind of the summation of it. Um, so, um, what is whiskey? So, whiskey is, again, like I said, a distilled spirit. So, it's uh, something that has been ran through a still, and the distillate, you get the ethanol off the end of it. You save that. Put it in a barrel, unless you're making a white dog or a moonshine or whatever they're calling it. Um, even a lot of moonshines are made with corn, with corn or, or um, you know, other grains, but they also sometimes add sugar and stuff like that into them. Uh, so we're not talking about moonshines and stuff like that today. Uh, we will get into that if y'all want to get into that, but uh, today we're mainly talking about whiskey as it is okay so let's start at the beginning okay so anything that is whiskey has to be made of just the grain water yeast and then what happens is the like let's say let's use barley for an example okay um, barley in itself inherently has starch in it so that starch has to be converted to sugar because yeast, whatever yeast, it, it Saccharomyces cerevisium. I know, I know. It's already nerding out, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it the the Saccharomyces eats the sugar. It cannot eat the starch. It has to be broken down so it can eat it. And the two things that the yeast create, well, there's a lot of other things it creates, but the main two things it creates is CO2. Uh, so it bubbles and you know and ethanol so in order to get the starchiness of that grain and make it into sugar you have to malt it so you take the barley and you let it germinate a little bit not all the way like it's trying to start growing 
And so you let it germinate to a certain point and then you stop it before it has fully used up all of its starch and converted it totally into sugar and used the sugar. So you take all that and you stop it and then you dry it. And that's the kind of the process. Uh, a lot of people kiln dry it. Um, and then like in Scotland, places like that, uh, back in the day, they don't have trees. So what they would use is the peat bogs they would cut into the earth which is just deep the peat is just decomposing matter little bugs and twigs and sticks and it's you know it takes a long time to make peat it's just compressed earth matter is all it is now this is not the same as sphagnum peat it is not the same don't think it is and what they, they would use this peat to to uh, put in their homes uh, to heat their homes and stuff like that so they use that peat to uh, put in their, their wood-fired kilns to dry the malt. But when it did that, the peat let off, when it smoked, the peat would give off flavors, also known as phenols, and there's a bunch of other words. Like I said, I'm trying not to get super nerdy, but um, so it would give you what they thought, and some people do not like smoky, peaty, briny scotches. I do, but that's, you know, that's beside the point. So, um, they would use that peat, they would dry the barley, but then when they, when they distilled it, they realized that that smoke character came over through the distillate. And so that's what gave smoky scotch, um, its name. Okay. So getting back to the barley, you would, you would, uh, dry the barley out. So it's, it has sugar in it now, not, not starch. And then you crush it, you bring it up to a certain temperature. It, di it differs on the malt, so I'm not gonna go into that. <clears throat> and then you mash it with water, hot water. And that water leaches out the sugar into the, what is now called wort or beer, right? It's the same concept when you're making beer, it's the same thing. But they call it, in, in the distillation world, in the whiskey world, they call it a distiller's beer, right? <clears throat> because you're not adding hops <laughs> you don't want hops in it because it has oil in it and when you distill the oil comes over and it makes it taste funky some some have done it fairly decently but it makes it taste weird you don't want to do that so they just use the the barley and they use, sometimes they use different types of barley to give different profiles and stuff like that um anyway um so because there's like thousands of hybridized uh barleys out there that are you know that are make different flavors that's why there's so many different beers and stuff like that anyway getting back to to this when you um then when you make the beer or the wort you need to cool it down obviously and then you uh you ferment it with yeast okay and then once it's fermented depending upon the yeast it can take from three days to three weeks depending upon the the, the yeast and the climate because it's temperature control and stuff like that um and then they distill it and the first distillation is known as the stripping run and basically is all you're trying to do is strip the alcohol or the ethanol and the methanol methanol is the stuff that makes you go blind uh in high volumes of it um you're trying to strip all of that out of that distiller's beer um the beer normally um, most distilleries is anywhere from eight to ten percent 
uh, alcohol by the time it's done fermenting and stuff. So um, it, it's a strong beer. Uh, does not taste very well. Um, I've got to. I've been lucky enough to try uh, some distilleries, you know, wort after after it's fermented, and it's not great. <laughs> does it doesn't taste that good? It's, there's no sugar left in it, so it's not. It's not even like a good beer. Um, anyway, and then you distill it. You strip all of the alcohol out of it. So when you're done, uh, it's all that's left is uh, you know, the stuff left in the still, which is called stillage. Um, and then a lot of times people will just dump that, uh, it, it's, it has a high pH on it cause it's been boiled. Um, so sometimes, uh, I know, uh, some people and hopefully, hopefully more people in the future, uh, know what a sour mash is. You've heard uh, sour mash whiskey, blah, blah, blah. That basically what that means is after you've done the initial, uh, stripping run of the whiskey, you take the stillage, about normally about 15 to 20%, depending. Some do a little more, some do a little less. Um, and you actually put it back in when you're doing the, the, next, um, the next fermentation. You'll put it back in the next fermentation. And that's called a sour mash because it's very sour and the pH is pretty low. So it keeps a lot of the bugs and stuff like that from getting into it because the pH is lower and it helps the yeast and blah, 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 blah. But it also creates consistency between the different uh, fermentations. So, I mean, you know, everybody, um, you know, we everybody gets grain from a, a source, right? Well, what if one year it's a little drier than or wetter than normal and the, the barley, the corn, whatever you're doing is... Um, it has a different profile. You want to have that consistency. So you use the, the, the sour mash technique to create that. And then if you don't do that, because there's a lot of distilleries that don't do sour mashing, uh, a lot of times they'll say on the bottle, it's been sour mashed, you know, um, it's called a sweet mash or a new mash. Um, because they don't use any of the stillage to put back into the fermenter. I know that, that went off on a tangent, but it, it is important to know um, uh, about, you know, going into whiskey. So after it's been distilled once, uh, they put it in holding tanks, obviously, until they've distilled enough, unless you're a huge distillery, you know, then they put it right back into another still. Uh, and then they do what they call the spirit run. And uh, this is where it gets a little... Uh, a, a little more refined, a little more fine-tuned, because when you're doing that, you don't want to keep any of the unflavorable stuff, because you've 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 kept everything at this point. So you want to get the methanol, as much of the methanol as you can out, and then you want to get what they call the heads out, because it's going to be sharp and bitey. And if it's a grain, you know, since we're doing whiskey, it's a grain whiskey. So it's going to be very grain forward, very strong, very almost bitter tasting. Um, so you want to get that out and you, and then at the very end of your distillation, you get into what they call the tails. And that can be like, oh Lord, it's like whenever you, the smell, <laughs> it's going to sound weird. The smell of wet concrete, right? Or uh, a wet dog, cardboard, 
think of things like that. It's just not flavorable stuff that you want to have in a good whiskey. Um, now, there's some scotches and stuff that... Now, we're getting back into the peat stuff, but in the peat, the peat comes over lower into the tails. So, um, some some distilleries, actually a lot of scotch distilleries that are doing peated, they'll go deeper into the tails um, and collect some of those. Um, there's still good flavors in there. and But they're, they're going to put it in a barrel for you know, at least 10 years, you know, so a, a lot of those compounds that are undesirable are going to uh, weather off and we'll get into all that. <clears throat> okay. So the part that we want to keep, we've talked about taking the first off and the last off all the stuff in the middle. And this is where it takes a really good distiller or running the same batch of, of whiskey over and over again until you know exactly what your points are. But uh, this is where it takes a really good distiller to fine-tune those the hearts, what they call the hearts, which is the parts you want to keep. And sometimes, depending upon the distillery, that's not a lot. Let's say you're doing a 700-gallon uh, run. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just throwing a number out there. A 700-gallon run, you might only be able to keep, of that 700, you might only be able to keep... 200 gallons you know what i mean so like you're wasting i mean not wasting uh you're you're not keeping a lot of it uh because it's either too harsh or too nasty um so what they will do a lot of times so let's say you've kept your 200 gallons right and uh what they would do with that is they would let it sit for a little bit in a vat normally and then they'll put it into a barrel uh and then they'll let it sit for however long. Uh, we're gonna get into bourbon. It has different categorization, but right now we're just talking about uh, malt, for instance, uh, which is also barley. It's barley and malt are the same terminology. Um, and so then you put it in a barrel, let it sit, and then it takes the notes of the barrel, uh, stuff like that, and then it uh, and then it becomes whiskey. Um, so that being said. Um, where was I? Okay, so you get back to, you You have the heads and the tails still, or some people call them the faints, whatever, it doesn't matter, it's terminology. Um, some people throw that stuff away. A lot of distilleries will take that stuff because there's still, there's still good compounds in there and they will save it and put it in the next distillation, the next spirit run that they're doing. For one, it gives you more volume and for two, it gives you a chance to eke out more hearts out of those heads. Because when you think of, man, I'm sorry. When you think of distillation, it is not a straight line, heads, hearts, tails, cut. It's not like that. It's it's a gradient. Um, so, like, it's it has a smear. The heads smear into the hearts. The hearts smear into the heads. You know, same with the tails. They they just all smear together. So there is a point where you're going to get a lot of good hearts in your heads and a lot of good hearts in your tails um, that you need to get out. But it's, um, you know, it's so clouded with all the other stuff that, you know, you can't, you can't eke all that out. So uh, you do another distillation run. And then some distilleries um, will save the heads and tails, depending, um and save them in a vat by themselves and then do what they call a queen's run 
after the fact. And normally, and this is, you know, everything I'm saying is with a grain of salt. There's some distillers that don't do that. There's other, you know. Normally, <clears throat> they'll do it to a little higher distillation, uh, get a little cleaner product, sometimes even put it through reflux. Um, man, yeah, exactly. It's it, it's a it's a lot where, you know, it's, it's over 16 minutes in and I'm just now getting to, to, to that part. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to pause right there just for a second because um, if you're interested in any of this, of the nerdiness of it, of the, the, you know, the in-depth, super, uh, super crazy, uh, knowledge part of it. I read this book called Tasting Whiskey by Lou Bryson. So Lou Bryson, he's the head editor for, uh, Whiskey Advocate magazine. And he has written this book and it literally goes, I mean, there's, Oh, Lord, there's a bunch of pages, 250 pages of uh, whiskey. I mean, they talk about process. They talk about uh, the different styles. They talk about how it's made. They go to the different distilleries and talk about that. They talk about, you know, all the different genres of, of whiskey, the places where they're made, the warehouses, you know, all that stuff. It's a great book. Um, you can get it on Amazon, wherever. This is not a plug for them. It's just a really, uh, really good book. And, um, if you got, you know, if we got some book nerds out there, um, okay, let's get back to it. Whiskey. <sighs> so once you put the grain distilled spirit into a barrel, it legally becomes whiskey. Okay. Now in, now since we're doing barley to start with in Scotland and Ireland, in order for it to be called scotch whiskey or irish whiskey it has to be in that barrel for no less than three years okay that's just their minimal now it does not have to be a new barrel so there's two or three different types of barrels you can use you can use a new barrel which means has never had any liquor in it at all has not had anything in it um wine beer anything it has it's brand new um and it has to be toasted and charred there's a delineation between those two, but uh, basically the char level means you burn it and it creates charcoal on the inside of the barrel and that helps filter out some of the, the, the esters and components that you don't want in the whiskey. And then the toast, or what, what they call the red level, the red layer, sorry, it is what gives you all the vanilla characters, all the cherry, the toffee, the, you know, all the, the things that you contribute to a good whiskey, right? And so uh, almost all of, and see, that's why I have to say almost because it's not a everybody, um, almost all of uh, Scotch and Irish is uh, secondary use oak. So basically they've got uh, barrels from now they've been using bourbon barrels for the last 200 years or so. They've been using bourbon barrels because in bourbon, it has to be new oak. It has to be new oak. And that's why bourbon has those really strong uh, cherry, vanilla, uh, very oaky, oak forward, uh, tannic properties to it because it's new oak. And then when you try an Irish or a, or a scotch, it's a lot lighter, a lot fruitier, and you get a lot more of the actual uh, spirit come through. 
Um, so there's that. That's a little bit on barrels. We can get into barrels. Oh my God, there's so much, you know, cause then you get finishing barrels, which is basically like the barrel had beer in it. Like you put a stout in, in the barrel. Well, then you take the beer out and you put the whiskey in there. Well, now it's a finished whiskey, right? It's been finished in a stout barrel. I've had some stout finished whiskeys that are amazing, amazing. Um, and then there's other ones that are wine or port or sherry or, um, you know, I mean, it's there's so many. Um, and so it's kind of hard to keep track of, really. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's super cool to see the different complexities um, that these barrels give the whiskey. Because it's all basically the same you know same type of whiskeys going into the barrel and the complexity that that gives it and a lot of times uh, especially with scotch and irish they will double barrel uh, which means they'll put it in a used bourbon barrel first let it sit in there for you know in scotland the climate is so temperate and and cool that the wood does not give up a lot of flavor for a while um, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things they can leave them in there for 10 years and not get a super oaked, uh, whiskey because that's just how it is. So what they'll do is they'll leave it in there for 10 years or so, and then they'll finish it in a sherry barrel. You get a Pedro Jimenez sherry, finish it in that for six months, a year afterwards. Oh man, it's amazing. It's amazing. Literally. Um, and a lot of the bourbon guys have been doing that as well. Uh, finishing one of the big ones that does the the finishing is um, you might have seen it around is Angel's Envy, so it's a Kentucky bourbon that they finish in port casks. I don't know exactly what port casks it is, you know where they come from, um, but another thing that Angel's Envy is doing, and this is not a plug for Angel's Envy, um, they are trying to be a renewable resource. So the cooperage, which a cooperage is a place that makes barrels, the cooperage that they're using, some of the proceeds from their bottles and stuff like that goes back to uh, reforestation, not deforestation. It goes back to build, uh, making a, a stronger forest and planting trees and uh, you know stuff like that. So they're doing some really cool things. And there's a lot of other ones that are trying to, trying to do that because you think about if uh, bourbon has to be in a new barrel every time, you take it out, you can't use that barrel again. You can't. You have to sell it to somebody else. Um, for it to be bourbon, right? Um, so there's a, they're going through a lot of lot of barrels. <laughs> and the specification for, I guess let's get into this. Crap, I didn't know we were going to go this deep already. But, okay, so bourbon. Let's talk about bourbon. Bourbon has some guidelines to it, right? We've talked about malt. We talked about scotch and stuff like that a little bit. You know, we're not, like I said, I'm not trying to go super deep, but at the same time, there's some things I, I don't want to mislead anybody by what I say. Like, I want them to be like, okay, that makes sense. You know, not like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, <clears throat> so bourbon has a lot of factors that need to be done. First of all, it has to be produced in the United States, not North America the United States of America. There's an old thing that says it needed to be made in Bourbon County, Kentucky. I know people are going to shoot me for this. That is not true. It needs to be made in America. You can actually make bourbon whiskey in Hawaii and Alaska and Guam, I think, maybe. Anyway, <clears throat> so the 
the thing is uh, with it, it has to be at least 51% of its mash bill, which is the amount of grain that's in uh, a whiskey uh, or in a, a specific mash, um, has to be 51% corn. And we, we can get into the history of that. That's going to be two hours. Good Lord. Here we go. We're not going to. Um, has to be 51% corn. Most people use what they call yellow dent corn, which is not a stock grade, but it's pretty close to stock grade. Uh, you know, almost like deer corn, but it's not. Um, and then a lot of, and then the other, and then some adjacent grains. So most of the time, um, corn, uh, you don't want to malt it because it, it doesn't have enough power to make its own sugars. So it, it's kind of pointless to malt it. it it has some but not enough whereas barley has enough power to convert to convert its sugars for itself and other things right that's called diastatic power i'm sorry golly we're going deep anyway <laughs> so the it has to be 51 percent corn at least most or more some aren't depending so then the other adjacent grains rye barley right and then wheat uh some people do oats quinoa whatever as long as it's a grain right you can use whatever else um but it has to be 51 percent corn and it has to be um distilled at no more than 160 proof so 80 percent alcohol coming off the still to keep it um and then it has to be put in the barrel at no higher than 125 okay and it has to be in new american white oak barrels now this is where it hurts my heart because there is so many out there that man there's so much other things out there oh other oak products out there you know that um I mean, why white oak? Well, because it was abundant, you know, 200 and something years ago. But now, uh, due to, you know, unfortunately to deforestation. But let me tell you this. Um, uh, the barrel industry uh, only accounts for, I think, 4% of the amount of American white oak that gets used in America. All the rest of it goes to furniture and stuff like that. Anyway, so when it gets put into a barrel, let's say you fill up a barrel, you dump the barrel out, it's legally bourbon, okay? Five seconds, as long as it touches the wood. Paps uh, Blue Ribbon Beer did a whiskey, and that's what, they, that's what they did. They put it in the barrel for five seconds, I think, 10 seconds, I don't even remember, and uh, then dumped it out. It was, it's legally called bourbon. But then again, that barrel that they used is legally not a new barrel. So they just totally screwed up a whole brand new barrel. Uh, anyway, and of course it's white. I mean, it's clear. There's no pigment at all um, in it. So it's it's really crazy. But um, so then there's some delineations on that too. It's uh, to, In order for it to be called straight bourbon whiskey, right? You hear the word straight. Straight means two years old. That's it. After two years, uh, it, you can put the, the name straight on it. So it's straight bourbon whiskey, right? And then 
if you want, after, you know, because two years to note straight, then after a while, like, you get um, a lot of bourbons and scotches and stuff that will say it's a 10-year-old, it's a 12-year-old, there's Pappy 23, you know, whatever. Um, that tells you it's been in that one barrel for that long. Um, and then you, a lot of times what will happen is the proof will rise in the, in the barrel. So whenever you go to pull it out, sometimes if you're getting a cast strength, uh, bourbon or whatever, uh, it'll actually be higher than 125, uh, because the, uh, water evaporates before the alcohol. Whereas in Scotland, a cast strength scotch that's an older, especially an older one, can actually be below uh, the entry proof. And in Scotland, they do a lot lower entry proof too. Um, like, you know, some of them do like 50% alcohol or 100 proof, 110, something like that. Um, wild Turkey, they do 110 or 115. So they're doing a lower proof too because they want to be able to get some more of the sweetness out of the barrel. Anyway, whew, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, this is fun though. I, I, I said it was going to be geeky. I said we were going to go deep. So, uh, I'm, I appreciate y'all for hanging on. So after it sits in a barrel, you dump it out, you figure out if you want to release it at cast strength or the strength that went into the barrel, or if you want to prove it down for bourbon, well, for most whiskeys, but it's, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about bourbon right now. The minimum you can put it in a bottle at is 40% alcohol or 80 proof. So proof and alcohol by volume is just, you double it for proof. I don't know why some people use proof. Some people use uh, alcohol by volume or ABV. Um, it doesn't matter. So if I say one, uh, you know, the higher, the higher one I say, like 80 proof, it's 40% alcohol um, in order for it to be considered whiskey. Now, in some, some other countries, they make you go down to 35%. Now, they the issue is they have to actually proof it down in that country uh, because it's not legally whiskey, you know. So, uh, so you think Fireball, right? Fireball is whiskey. It's flavored whiskey. It's 33% alcohol. What does that mean? Well... Fireball has had a lawsuit against it too. But anyway, um, Fireball, I feel, they use the delineation whiskey because it has a whiskey base, right? And then they put all this, you know, propylene glycol and crap like that in it. And it lowers the proof. And they still call it whiskey. Even though it's more than likely what they call a distilled spirit specialty. Which just means we don't know what it is. We're going to put it in this one. You know what I mean? So they put whiskey on it. Anyway. And then you go to Texas whiskey, right? Texas whiskey. It has its own... It doesn't have guidelines because we're trying to get Texas whiskey on the map and to have uh, basic guidelines for Texas whiskey. Uh, one of the things is um, the Texas Whiskey Association is trying to make it to where it has to be mashed, distilled, and bottled in the state of Texas. The issue is the farmland that we have, um, the barley growth, the corn growth, the stuff like that, we really need to get it from out of state as well. 
So I don't want to have to, you know, because I want to, I want distilleries to be able to use uh, Scottish malts if they want, you know, because uh, like Balcones whiskey in uh, Waco, Texas, they are using a lot of uh, malt that comes from Scotland called Golden Promise, and it makes an excellent whiskey. Um, if you guys ever get the chance to go to Balcones whiskey, please do. It's it's an amazing place. Uh, they they're winning awards left and right. Uh, I, as you guys know, or you might not know, but uh, you will soon know that uh, I am a fanboy for Texas whiskey. Um, there are some that are better than others, obviously, right? Um, but I am not a I am not a hater of Texas whiskey at all. So let's get back to whiskey. Um, so once once you dump it from the barrel, you put it in a bottle. You can legally call it bourbon, right? It's bourbon. Uh, straight bourbon, eight-year-old bourbon, whatever. Uh, there's other delineations like bottled and bond, uh, all these different things that you can do, and we can uh, talk about that later um, because it's it's really pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> then, you know, it sits on a shelf, and then, you know, we buy it. And so, like, think about a, a bottle that... Uh, you know, let's let's look at Blanton's, right? Everybody knows Blanton's. It has the little round bottle with the little horsey on top. Everybody tries to collect the horses. Well, guess what? You can't find it. It's what they call allo allocated, and you're not going to find it. You can go to the distillery, possibly pick one up, maybe, maybe not, depending. <laughs> um, it's allocated. So what that means is it's hard to find because of supply and demand, and you can't get it. Well, Blanton's is made by Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace Distillery makes Blanton's, uh, E.H. Taylor, uh, <laughs> oh lord, uh, Elmer T. Lee, uh, I th think they're making Weller now? I, I mean, there's, they're like so, they're making everything, you know, literally making everything as well as Buffalo Trace. And you can't find Buffalo Trace now, just the baseline Buffalo Trace in the store anymore. I mean, at some places you can. You know, if you're in Kentucky, you might be able to find it, but where I'm at, it's hard to find. It's a great bourbon, don't get me wrong, it's great, but you can't find it. And so, all, all of these things, you know, and the funny thing is, everybody's like, well, um, I, I I can tell uh, Blanton's in a lineup from, from anybody, you know. Uh, but if you put Blanton's next to E.H. Taylor, next to uh, Elmer T. Lee, I guarantee you they're not. They're the same mash bill, too. So by mash bill, I mean the amount of grain that goes into a specific recipe, right? So like I said, it had to be a minimum 51%. So like let's say for the mash bill 1, which is the mash bill, uh, they're using... 62% uh, corn, right? And then they're not using rye, they're using wheat. And then uh, like 20%, and then they're using the rest as malt, right? I don't know the exact mash bill, I'm sorry. I wish I did. Um, <laughs> I could probably find it out, but um, anyway. They're all the same mash bill. It's just different parts of the warehouse, different ages, uh, you know, stuff like that. They are different, you know, um, they're, you're going to get differences, but they're not so different that, uh, you know, in a blind lineup, you wouldn't be able to 
to, to really distinguish it. Unless Blanton's was the only thing you drank all day, every day. Then you might be able to pick it out. But I, I know I can't. Uh, because the mash bill is so similar. So similar. But you can't get an E.H. Taylor or Elmer T. Lee either. So it's like, you know, what's what's the point? Find some, find some something good. Um, anyway, so let's move on to... Um, let's, where, we, where we want to move next? Irish. Okay, so Irish, obviously, has to be three years old. Has to be produced in Ireland, right? And Scotch is three years old. and has to be produced in Scotland. Scotland. Um, and then those, they have delineations for different things. So, like, let's say Scotland, for instance. Uh, let's go there. They have single malt, right? Which is only barley. Only barley. They have single grain, which is... It kind of denotes itself any other grain than barley. It can have barley in it, but normally it's corn or wheat or something like that. And then there's... Uh, Blended malt, <laughs> nerdy, here we go, blended malt, which is, see, over there in Scotland and Ireland, they have no problem uh, sourcing whiskeys from other distilleries and using them as their own. They have, they're called blending houses. You know, they have no problem with that. Uh, and there's distilleries that, that's what they do. They mass produce whiskeys four people and they take that whiskey and they and they blend it so you would take a single malt from somewhere else and blend it with your single malt and that's called a blended malt right and um um i think yeah i think monkey shoulder monkey shoulder is a blended malt so then you get into blended grain whiskey which those aren't very common um, because I don't, I can't think of one. I know I've had one, but, um, yeah, I can't, I don't, yeah. Anyway, so that's two grain whiskeys uh, from two different distilleries. And then you have a blended scotch. So that's a grain whiskey blended with a malt whiskey. So that's like Johnny Walker. Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, there's a, there's a bunch. There's there's a lot. So, and it's just different flavors. You know, the blended grain, a lot of times, is distilled to a higher level, almost to vodka. You know, uh, 93.8, they don't go to 90, no, 94.8, they don't go to 95% alcohol. That's a lot. Um, so it's almost vodka sometimes, depending. Um, so it basically strips all the flavor out, and it's just you're getting ethanol. That's it. <clears throat> so, um, and then you get, you know, so everybody's going for like the single malts and the blended malts, which I, I love a good blended malt. You know what I mean? I love it. Um, you know, compass box, they're doing some amazing stuff in, in, in Scotland and it's pretty, and then, so you go to, um, Ireland, which is right next door to Scotland it's, to it's not totally different, but it's pretty different. There's only like four, distill maybe five distilleries in all of Ireland. There used to be a whole lot more, and then the famine came. And anyway, uh, like I said, history. Um, but it, um, they have what they call pot still, right? Single pot still, uh, which is going to be like your red breast. 
Uh, Redbreast 12 Cast Strength is probably one of my favorite whiskeys. Um, I can do a poll uh, um, on Instagram or something and, and tell you all about uh, the favorite whiskeys and we can all uh, join in on that. Uh, so there's, so it basically it is what it is. It's a pot still malt whiskey. That's it. And then you have a, um, oh, but the malt that they used because they were trying to evade taxes back in the day and they had a malt tax. And so what would happen is they would tax you for all the malt that you had, but there's unmalted barley as well, right? That they use for feed and stuff like that to make bread and whatever. So they would use a percentage up to about 30% unmalted barley in their single pot still. And it gave a really buttery, biscuity flavor to it. And it's really desirable. And that's why the single pot still is like really popular. And then there's uh, just the, the Irish, which is like their grain whiskey, basically. And that's what you're going to find like Jameson, you know, stuff like that. And then they have their single malt, you know, which is single malt. Um, really good stuff. Minimum three years, obviously. But then you get the age statement. It's similar to um, Scotland, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16 years, whatever. Um, and then there is a couple of peated uh, Irish distilleries. Uh, Connemara is the one that I know of right offhand. And there, it's really good, but it's a different type of peat because it's Irish peat. So it's a lot lighter, a lot softer. It's not as briny and, and band-aid-y band is that a word anyway um so there's that now let's move to like great britain and other places what we call world whiskeys uh great britain germany um the netherlands spain they're all making really cool stuff too uh france as Bryn, i think um yeah canada you know you can go to canada uh canadian whiskey everybody thinks of what crown royal right well, it's not just Crown Royal, you know. So they have a totally different way that they make whiskey. Um, they distill every grain separately and then blend them together later. It's really weird. Uh, they barrel, age them, everything separately. So you would have just corn, just rye, just malt, separate. <laughs> and then they would blend them at the end. Uh, pretty crazy. And then they would use uh, some neutral spirit as well. So like they would make a vodka and then blend it with the vodka. So that's what mainly what Crown Royal is. It's blended. It's a blended whiskey, right? So it's blended with neutral grain. Um, you know, I grew up on Crown, so, you know, I'm not going to hate it too much. I don't care for it now, now that I have a taste for, for whiskey, but um, I have tried some Crowns that are pretty good. Um, I'm not into the flavored ones, obviously, but um, I don't know, the vanilla one with some Coke, it's pretty good, but anyway, um, I don't do that anymore, uh, Coke that is, not cocaine, just stop, anyway, um, okay, so then you got Canadian, it's, it's, a uh, totally different, there's some really cool Canadian single malts, uh, you know, coming out of there too, but the bad thing is, uh, they don't ship to America a whole lot, um, so they get keep all the good to, good stuff for themselves, uh, which kind of sucks for us, but it is what it is. Um, so let's move to another big category for some people is Japanese whiskey. 
So Japanese whiskey, <clears throat> unfortunately, has very little guidelines for it. It basically just whatever. You know, they're trying to work on it. Um, there is some companies that are doing really good stuff like Nika and Suntory. I know you've heard of Suntory, right? They bought out Jim Beam or Jim Beam bought them out, whatever. Um, <clears throat> Suntory does really good stuff. Their Yamazaki and their Hakushu 12 both are amazing. Um, you know, it started as like a scotch because... I can't th I can't say the guy's name Mazimoto whatever um he went and studied in Scotland at Springbank which is um in the anyway it's in Campbelltown it's an amazing whiskey but it's very peated well he brought that over to Japan and he was making a very peated whiskey for the Japanese people and they were like uh no this doesn't work we're not, we're, we don't like this at all. Uh, you need to make something lighter and fruitier and, and floral and stuff like that. So he had to change everything he was doing and uh, start making a different type. And that's where uh, Suntory came from. And they have their Hibiki, which is a blend of 26 different, uh, different whiskeys. Uh, all, of, you know, supposedly, as far as I know, they're all Japanese so it's really cool. Um, and so it's really floral and bright and shiny and fun. Um, uh, it's not like heavy and dark. It's really uplifting and really not really nice. Um, but the bad thing is a lot, uh, you know, there's been a craze for a couple years for this Japanese stuff and some people are taking advantage of that. And what they're doing is they're going to Scotland, they're buying barrels of scotch three-year-old grain whiskey or something like that and slapping a Japanese label on it it's telling me to keep an eye on the clock huh that's crazy I guess I'm talking too much huh <laughs> um but um but yeah the, and they're slapping a label on it and they're like this is this is a Japanese whiskey and we're like uh, no it's not that tastes like Johnny Walker, you know, like, or whatever, you know, like, no, it's not. So you really got to be careful with your Japanese whiskeys, uh, that do a little research on Japanese before you go to the store and buy it because it's, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. Um, but since, uh, uh, Anchor FM is telling me that I'm fixing to, uh, run, run out of time. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you guys have too. Like, I don't want to be, uh, you know, just blabbering on. I want to make it interesting. I want you guys to know that um, I'm really into this and this is cool for me. But if it's not cool for y'all, please let me know. Um, uh, I'm going to open up a, like a Q&A or something with it. And please go to the, the socials, uh, the underscore whiskey shaman at uh, Instagram, Facebook, I'm on YouTube, I'm trying to get some stuff on YouTube going, but anyway, uh, it's a, it's a hard market, and I don't want to make all these stupid videos and stuff like that, so it's kind of difficult, um, but, um, I really enjoy this, and I enjoy, uh, explaining it and talking about it, um, next week, we're going to, I might get into, 
what happened last weekend. And we might talk about that. Spoiler, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun uh, for me. Hopefully, it has for you. Um, again, the book is Tasting Whiskey by Lou L E W Bryson B R Y S O N. It's a great book. Um, if you're a whiskey nerd or want to be a whiskey nerd or are even interested in it, it's a great book. It's a great resource for me. I use it a lot um, when I'm trying to understand. Uh, understand things in in whiskeys there's color wheels there's uh tasting wheels all that stuff in it as well um that's not a plug i'm not getting paid by them believe me um you know if they if they want to reach out to me i'd be more than happy to 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 do that but um anyway it's been fun i appreciate you guys time um i know you could be doing other things than listening to me blabber on about whiskey (laughs) but I'm glad you did and um, I really think this is going to be cool for me and y'all like I said if you have any questions any uh, anything just let me know Uh, whiskeybusinessfbg.com if you'd like to schedule a tasting and you're in the Texas Hill Country Uh, shameless plug but I've got to do it Um, anyway so until next time y'all keep your spirits up